0: Hello and welcome to the Brand Bytes podcast. We are thrilled to be joined by renowned industry expert Marianne Chillingford, creative director for Dulux and UK founder of the Colour in Design Awards, here with us for episode two of the Brand Bytes podcast. Join us today as we unravel the fascinating connection between colour and human psychology and how it shapes the perception of the home, as well as explore how this can be used by brands to make their product ranges, advertising and marketing trend-led, fresh and up-to-date. In the episode, we'll be talking about Marianne's take on colour psychology, the latest colour trends that looks are seeing as we head into 2024, and the emotional impact of different colour palettes in the home, branding and advertising. Marianne, hello. Hello. Thank you so much for coming today.
1: Oh, I'm thrilled to be here.
0: We really appreciate your time. I know that diary and logistics are always really tough, so thank you. Any excuse to talk about the thing I love with
1: people who love it too?
0: Amazing. And we do love it, definitely. (laughs) First of all, can you tell us a little bit
1: about yourself? Oh, well, <laughs> first thing, I think I probably have the best job in the world, uh, oh. best job in colour, uh-huh. colour and design. I work for an enormous company. Um, Dulux is owned by Axonobel, yep. it's a global company. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest uh, creators of surface coatings in the world, and colour is absolutely at the heart, fundamental heart of that. And mm-hmm. Dulux is the decorative coatings um, arm of that. Um, And on a daily basis, I work with the most extraordinary people, creatives, scientists, um, artists, young designers. Um, Every day is different, but every day fills my tank with something to talk about, something to do. Um, Yeah, so I am the luckiest woman in the world. And I started my journey um, on the fairground. So I ran away from doing art and design at school and uh, join the fairground to paint fairground rides and so when any student says to me you know how did you get to where you got to and they're worrying because they're working in Costa I say don't you worry it'll be fine no way <laughs> yes. you've kind of led me into my
0: next question because I was just <laughs> going to ask you actually what what was that career journey how like how have you got to where you are today from
1: the fairground which is an amazing story <laughs> <laughs> well I was always I was always good at coloring in um and, and colouring in was a wonderful way of getting positive, uh, um, you know, feedback from from teachers. You know, it sort of distracted them yeah. from the fact I wasn't very good at maths. Yeah. Um, and went off to college to do art, found that I couldn't, I, I wasn't very good at expressing myself. Mm-hmm. As a, a fine artist I was not going to be. Right. But what I do love and I did love was the medium of paint and, and colouring in. Right. And so this technical, being able to draw something to paint something was something I, I, I could always do. I also wanted to leave home. so. Yeah my dad uh, was a was a self-employed he was a nurseryman so so that that's being self-employed was always part of uh-huh. of what we did and i wanted to um my dad said to me he said you know if you're not earning money out of the thing you're good at it's just a hobby yeah and so i wanted to explore the commerce of creativity mm-hmm. and so ended up painting fairground rides painting uh, um, narrow boats painting pub signs and so you know making money after the thing that I was good at yeah, yeah. and then it was only when I started having kids uh-huh. that I realized and my dad gave me another bit of great advice he said stop Stop working with your hands. Start using what's above your shoulders, mm-hmm. your brain. So start thinking about where this might take you. Yeah. And so I went back to college, learned a few more skills about interiors and then went from the outside to the inside and took all of those skills of work, being able to work hard, work in colour, um, create an experience of a space, but did that in interiors. Um, and and then from there, ran my own business in interiors, um, did interior design courses just to top up what I was doing um, and found that I, I we always used paint Paint wow. was always at the very heart mm-hmm. of what I did um, And then met Dulux Along the way we used an amazing product of theirs In, a, in an unusual way mm-hmm. They asked me to show their decorators how to how to do it So I did a world tour of the UK uh, Showing decorators how to use this new product And then the sort of relationship with Dulux mm-hmm. started um but very much founded in the practical application of paint one of the th- yeah. things i'm most proud of is that i can paint most decorators into a corner and i like oh, wow. i like that yeah. give me a brush and i'll, I'll do it. it yeah and i'll do it so I, I really understand the product yeah and uh another thing that, that maybe with the color thing is my dad was a rose grower it was brought up in a in, in in you know hundreds of acres of, of, of roses and his whole um you know, life. I remember him. He was he was trying to to breed the perfect coloured rose yeah. with the perfect scent and the perfect shape, and then to be able to reproduce it in print so it was accurately reproduced. So colour was absolutely oh, the wow. fundamental heart of what you did, um, and he was a painter as well. And so this whole. Experience of colour, the yeah. theatre of colour, mm. the way that it can transform, the way you respond to a space. I mean, on the fairground, you know, there's nothing more exciting than having. You know, the colour is part of that yeah. experience, whether it's in light or whether it's in shapes. Um, and and that's just that's in my soul. Yeah. So this is a job that, you know, working for Dulux couldn't have a better job for woman like
0: me. it's almost like an addition to what your real passion is, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. yeah. And do you kind of, now that paint and colour is part of your kind of professional life, mm-hmm. do you still do it as, as a hobby as well? Is it yeah. something that you do yeah. over a weekend to relax? Yeah,
1: I, I, if you look at my nails, uh, I, there's always something, Some I don't know how it gets to underneath your clothes, but it does <laughs> tend to every day. Um, but generally, most days of the week, I will be, Picking up a paintbrush oh, and doing wow. something. So whether it's painting somebody's wall or painting a picture or 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 mixing new colours, working in the studios, painting up, you know, trying out new products. Generally, every day I've got paint. Oh, I'm working wow. with paint, and it's you know I I, I <laughs> is it a lack of imagination or is it just no. you know an absolutely I absolutely love it. It's ridiculous. I get excited, you know. Every day I go to work. I wake up in the morning and I think. This is great! Oh wow, it's definitely (laughs) that is just the dream, isn't it? I mean, normally most people feel sick, and I I just think, oh, this is great.
0: No, I'm very jealous. (laughs) (laughs) And does your like does your when you wake up in the morning does that mood reflect then what what colour? you'd be working on if you were to paint something that day does that make sense
1: um not not entirely Mm -hmm. I mean colors are like children aren't they you know you 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 have to love them all whether you like them all or not um and you have to experiment and you have to find something good in new colors and actually when we're putting new colors together Mm. we're actually telling stories we're capturing an essence Mm -hmm. of a mood we're wanting to create an outcome in a space and sometimes those colors won't be the most sort of obviously joyful yeah. colors mm. and i am an obviously i my glass is always overflowing i'm yeah. i'm toxically optimistic about everything oh, and so sometimes it's quite good to tone tone it down a little bit <laughs> add a bit of gray every now and again not yeah. at all not at all
0: <laughs> obviously very busy creative mm-hmm. director of jewel looks yeah, what yeah, yeah. is the typical day in <gasps> the world of marianne what is oh, that look like oh my goodness
1: oh my goodness well we'll either be working on we'll, we'll always be working on the launch of something or a mm-hmm. colour story so at the moment we're working on heritage so a new range of heritage colours um, and the storytelling behind that where those colours originated from um, I might be diving into the archive to mm-hmm. look at colours from the past to pull them to the, to, the, to, the, to, to the future or telling the story of where we've come from so we'll be doing a lot of that next mm-hmm. week we're doing um, an R&D tour so we're going around um, R&D to see the new toys they've got oh, see man. if there's anything that we can play with and and, and tweak for the future. be working with young designers so often London Design Festival meeting new designers finding out what they're doing uh, keeping an eye on the future and you know trying to to understand what paint might be in the future yeah um is that a constant it's constantly looking forward oh absolutely looking forward you Mm. know what will paint be you know will paint be paint on our walls how will we color our interiors I mean if you think about there's a whole new generation that don't own their own houses
2: yeah
1: and so you know how does that look how do we add color to people's lives in in a in a in a new way mm. so it's it, it's an extraordinary a, a typical day is not a typical day right um I mean we had um we launched color of the year last week um and that that's uh, that that was everything from filming for social media doing interviews with journalists talking to different sectors our customers um architects and designers and uh, it, it's it's jam-packed maybe communication is that absolutely at the heart yeah. of everything mm-hmm. I do during the you know in telling people about colour talking about colour and yeah passing on that passion that yeah yes yeah Yeah. unlocking the potential of colour to make life better
0: yeah amazing um talking of the power of colour and the name of colour Mm -hmm. you've obviously been in the industry a while Mm -hmm. do you feel there's a difference to how people are using colour now to when they were
1: using it kind of 10 to 15 years ago do you think there's been a shift 100% and since the pandemic even more so but but so we have a global trend forecasting process mm-hmm. and about 8 years ago, well up until about 8 years ago we we when our experts from all over the world 26 countries would come together and we would discuss the things that were affecting the way we were going to live in the future mm. and Up until about eight years ago, it was all about the stuff, what Nike were doing, what Apple were doing, what was the new carpet, the new flooring, the new lighting. Um, And that affected our choices of colour. And also sort of big films that were coming out, big, big global events. And about eight years ago, everybody sort of rocked up and the world was going to head in a handcart, in a sense. Right. Lots of things were happening that mm-hmm. were out of our control. You know, we were being bombarded by 24-7 social media. No, it was always on. We could see levels of anxiety going up. Yeah. The, the, uh, the environment was starting to fall apart, political unrest. It, there were so many things happening out of our control. And we started to talk about n- the things that, that we needed to make our lives and ourselves more comfortable, more yeah. stable. We were sort of returning to a sense of what home and what stability and safety felt mm. like and what that might look like and so it was much more human-centered a right. human-centered approach and since then our colour forecasting has become so much more successful really commercially accessibly people we're telling a story of colour mm. that is a reflection of how we want to feel in an unstable and an uncertain future mm. um colours have become more natural if you think we've been locked in our homes mm-hmm. since the pandemic, yeah. these beautiful colours that connect us with nature, the, the, the receding colours that, that connect you with the sky yeah. and, the, and the sea, um, they've become huge, absolutely yeah. huge, our best-selling colours. Um, so if you look at the human condition, if you look at uh, what we want and what we need from our living spaces and workspaces yeah. and then start to build a palette around that, then you've got yeah. golds. We call it alchemy. It is an alchemic process, Yeah. yeah. Wow, it's really interesting.
0: Talking about dew looks in the colour range, Mm -hmm. um, just looking at some of the colours, you've got kind of berry smoothie raspberry bellini (laughs) favorite of mine 80 percent of the julius names are linked to food yep is there a reason for (laughs) that and why yes i love this question
1: (laughs) i love this question well we we have um we have color naming sessions so we invite anybody from the business whether you're in finance or you know r&d you can all come to a color naming session and we'll be creating new new um colors for for new ranges and um and generally, it's two words, one that, a word that takes you to the color, and a word that takes you to how that color might make you feel. Right. So something like sumptuous plum. You know, sumptuous yeah. is, the, is the feeling. Plum is the color. Yeah. Um, and generally, <laughs> generally, it happens before lunch, and everybody's <laughs> hungry. And that is basically it. Uh, there's two two big uh, um, color color and food always because color is an experience. Yeah. And. I think we taste it, we smell it, yeah. we, we're immersed in it in mm-hmm. such a way. And so these sort of experiences, and, and food is such a lovely, it's of such course. a lovely connector. An indulgence. Um, it is a lovely mm. indulgence. And so uh, if we do colour naming after lunch and we're all a bit tired, <laughs> it can get a bit filthy. Yeah. yeah. And we start to, it gets a bit naughty. and <laughs> on a Friday it afternoon. It's really <laughs> dreadful. And, but it's funny. It is funny. Um, and on certain days, there are, there, are, there are a lot of colours that are connected with the weather as well, oh, okay. like stormy seas so st- so there'll be something about the weather there's something about rain and the dump that we seem to really like in colour, yeah. um, especially when we were going through this sort of grey period uh-huh. so it was all about sort of stormy skies and yeah, yeah. That's, I've
0: always wondered where names come from. I've always wondered, like, <laughs> obviously, I've got nail varnishes and lipsticks coming out of my yeah, spare room yeah. at home, and I've always thought, like, who's thought of the name Oyster for a lip gloss? But obviously, there's yeah, naming sessions. Yeah.
1: So, and, and some some names go out of fashion. You can have a beautiful color with a dreadful name, or a name that's just not summing something up. Yeah, and the, and the color just won't sell. Uh-huh. Oh, right, It okay. just won't sell. So the name is really, really important. That's why we call we call the we call the process alchemy. So it's an, so so it's taking something that's that, just, just almost nothing, and then turning it to gold, and the name is is unlocks its potential much more than you would imagine. That's so you have to be proud to yeah, say, I'm gonna have this mm. Raven's flight on my wall. I want to come see this colour. And you know, if the name sounds lovely, you know, country sky, yeah. coastal grey, you know, and it's beautiful. So those names just evoke something. Yeah. And they're really important. You
0: get that like emotional connection mm. to it as well. Mm. If something's not selling, do you change the name or do you <laughs> discontinue or does it depend on the product?
1: We never ever totally retire a colour. Right. We have an archive of thousands and thousands of colours. Every colour we've ever made, we have an archive of those colours and we can make them again. Um, sometimes and it's like it's a it's a very slow moving fashion. Yeah. So we redecorate our homes or our walls, you know, between it's a three and five between three and five year cycle. Mm -hmm. And and Colours will come in and colours will, will, will go out. They never entirely retire. It's amazing how we're starting to see a lot of these mid-century modern colours coming yeah. through. Um, and that's that's coming back. But we've, we've got them. We've yeah. got them all from the original time. that, yeah. that they, 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 they started to. There's a lovely authenticity to them. So uh, they do go in and out of fashion, but not as quickly as you imagine.
0: Right now, we're going to shake things up a bit, and I'm delighted to be joined by two of my brilliant colleagues. We have got Grant Tildesley, creative director, and Joe Thatcher, who is head of styling and art direction, to join in the conversation. Hello. Hi. Thank you for coming. Oh, exciting. <laughs> like Good to sound. be here. Sounded really <laughs> brummy then. Thanks for coming. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Go for it, Joe. We're going to talk uh, about colour trends. Okay, so <laughs> September is the stylist's favourite time mm-hmm. of the year because looks always bring out their colour of the year. Mm-hmm. I am still in love with Spice Honey from 2019. <laughs> I use that in my little boy's nursery so, and it's a gorgeous colour. Um, but yeah, so 2024 colour of the year is Sweet Embrace. Mm-hmm. you describing it as delicate, light, uh, welcoming as well. So I just mm-hmm. wanted to get a bit more insight into that colour. Why do looks have chosen it as their colour of the year? Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Well, Sweet Embrace, when we choose colour of the year, we have to capture this sense of what we want and what we need in our homes. And when we were discussing, it's been a really difficult process this year because our experts from all over the world... They came with a sense of that we need joy in our lives, and there were lots of discussion about the colours that we've been seeing at Milan, the colours we've been seeing in design. We saw lots of yellows coming through, lots of positive colours, lots of um, terracottas and oranges, and these rich, warming colours. But actually, when you think about what's happening to the world at the moment, possibly we don't, we're not ready for a party. And we thought that actually these strong colours would be more polarising for people. They might like them, they might look great on Instagram and great in magazines, but actually would people really use this colour in their homes? Mm. And what we saw absolutely lots of, but sort of as background supporting colour, was this beautiful pink, these beautiful soft clay neutral um, supporting pinks. And that was coming through and everything it was coming through in fashion. It was coming through just gently whispering in the background. It's a sort of millennial pink that had been growing, growing and growing. And pink has, you know, in our own catalogs, pink has been growing and growing. It's just become this incredible, uh, you know, gender neutral color that everybody really loves. And I open up my husband's wardrobe. He is colorblind, by the way. It's all <laughs> pink and purple. And I just thought this is really important. And we came together as a group and, and we found this beautiful color, um, this soft, soft, delicate blush. Pink is a really difficult word. As soon as you say pink people think Barbie, they, yeah. they be- think bright colors. it does become polarized in the word yeah. itself. And so he's describing it as a blush. It's quite a cool porcelain blush. Um, and when we started looking at it and experimenting it with it against some of these brighter colors that we were considering, it just came through as the perfect the perfect thing and the idea of a gentle a sort of you know this this beautiful gentle embrace what we need now is not a party we need a a friend's arm around the shoulders we need to create a space in which we feel relaxed we feel comfortable it's got a modernity to it so it's got quite a um, a sort of gentle brightness to it so it's not too sweet Mm. Um, and this idea of a sweet embrace that's what what we need as human beings and our homes kind of need it as Mm well um and it's a supportive colour. So it's a colour that works well with every, everything. So it's it's really, really versatile. And, uh, you know, on another level, that makes it more commercial. So if there's soft colour, it makes it more commercial. And we, we want to create colours that people want to use. It's not just about looking good on Instagram. We can do that with all colours. We can make it look really cool. We could use the darkest or brightest colour. And we can make it look cool on Instagram. But nobody will ever buy it. And so what you're saying with those trend colours is, yeah, we think this is really cool, but it's not for you. And... And then it's exclusive, so so we, we're we always aiming to have a colour that everybody is is going to like. You never get it right all the time, but we really think that this is the colour that's right for right now.
2: And I love how you have the colour stories as well to support mm-hmm. that, so it's not just about that one colour no. and paint your whole room in that yeah. one colour. It's about using the different tones mm-hmm. and, and maybe that, Sweet embrace is um, very, you know, only used very sparingly, and the mm-hmm. other colours shine through. Or maybe mm-hmm. it's your main colour. How do you find those supporting colours? My favourite is the warm, the tones, warm palette. By the way. Yeah, yeah. it's well, very Well, when nice. when when our
1: uh, experts get together, we, we we talk about a number of topics, and and you'll find that themes will be coming through. And this year there were three really really strong themes, um, which then lead into colour palettes. And the three themes that we, the first thing we talked about was this wanting to create a home that's all about ourselves and surrounding ourselves with things that we love, this sort of clutter core um, that we see coming through so um, we wanted to create a, uh, and this clutter core is, is, is old stuff, vintage stuff and new stuff as well people are surrounding themselves with things that tell a story about themselves and um, and this idea of warmth, we could see warm colours, this warm and cosy, uh, this cocooning colours. So we created a palette of warm colours that told a story of, of, of our homes being all about us, about who we are. So that was the warm, the warm palette. It's a beautiful combination of these gorgeous, earthy, warm terracottas and ginger colours, you know, combined. And the sweet embrace in there is just the most amazing. Uh, it's just this little pop of pink Uh, and there are are unusual violets in there and there's this gorgeous orange and violet together look amazing Mm. and so it's quite complex but what it does it's designed to marry the old stuff the vintage stuff with new stuff so it's designed to connect those two things together um, and, and for you to have some fun layering them up in an unusual way and then the next thing that we needed we talked about calm Seeking spaces of calm. We are all in a state of high anxiety. I don't care who you are. You go into our boardroom. The coolest cats <laughs> are all slightly nervous. You know, we are all suffering from anxiety. We're we're seeking out spaces um, where, that reconnect us with nature, the calm, you know, soothing elements of nature. So we created a calm palette, a, a palette that's really all about the big elements: the sky, the sea, and in their sweet embraces, this very soft, gentle petal colour that balances the cool aquas and greens um, creates. It's a sense of of our spaces being bigger than they really are because these are receding colours. But these beautiful, familiar colours of nature that really, you know, turn the blood pressure down and help us relax, unwind and think really clearly. So we call that the calm palette. And then we need flashes of joy, Mm -hmm. micro doses of joy. And we're seeing that, you know, it's not this big party, but we do seek out Joyful, mm. joyful connections with people, giggles—you know—moments in the day that make us happy. If you think um, Costa, the brand, they—they um, uh, they, they encourage each of their uh, employees. You can give away a free coffee every day. How lovely isn't is that? Yeah. You go into Costa, somebody you've, you've just been dumped. And then, me the yeah, they <laughs> see you just been dumped, you're crying, and you get a free coffee. Happen many so, yeah, times, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, 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 so the, you know, the, the 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 person who's serving feels great. You feel great. It's a it's a lovely, it's a micro dose of joy. And so, this palette, um, we could see these beautiful yellows coming through. We could see the golds. I mean, and sort of softer, more sugary violets, um, and that combination. And there's a beautiful earthy color that just grounds it together. So it's not. It's not full on party joy. It's not kind of like beating party joy. It's just very, very soft. It's like a giggle. Mm. So we created this palette of smile, a giggle. Um, uh, and we call that the uplifting palette. Each of the colors, they all work with color of the year. They're all designed to work with color of the year. So in each palette, there are 10 colors and one of those colors is color of the year. And they are designed for for creatives and for people to be able to combine them in any way, whether it's on the walls or on the furnishings. So you create this color story that captures the way that we want to feel. Does that make sense?
2: It certainly does. I love how it's all about your personality, making your home Mm. about you, because a lot of the time people can just think about just carbon copies of Mm. of things that they see maybe on social media and things but Mm. it is about you you have to live in that space Mm. and you have to bring your personality Mm -hmm. um and this whole color story really emphasizes that which is really lovely sweet embrace that welcoming Mm. come home relax that's it's a really lovely color Mm. um really excited for it and love the thought process behind it as well and it brings me on to the next question about What advice would you give someone who was looking for the perfect colour for their home? Because it's so often asked, Mm. um, what colour should I use? Um, Do you have any top tips for Mm. picking out a colour and Mm. a colour palette?
1: Most of your favourite colours will be found either in your wardrobe or in something you've had for a long time, something you've bought and you love. It could be a cushion, it could be a piece of artwork, it's something that you've carried with you from one place to, to another. And that's probably where you'd start, the things that are staying in the space. And then we've got magic colour picking tools um, on the, it's called a Dulux (laughs) Visualiser. And you can scan over whatever it is, find your favourite colours. It will match that favourite colour, but it will also give you combinations that will work on the walls. So you can use a bit of digital tech to unlock something you love to make it work on the walls of your room. And it will give you lots of different options. And then you can visualise those colours on the wall. So... Start with the things you love. Start from the heart and work outwards and it can never go wrong. Now, your big problem can be the person you live with or the people (laughs) you live with because that can uh, (laughs) be… But with a digital tool, you can sell an idea in before you commit to buying the paint. So, and little testers and stuff like that. So, so you, I think, you know, a big mistake with any colour. People are worried about committing. You would not wear the same outfit for the next three to five years. Yeah, so, but you style. will paint your walls and it will last three to five mm-hmm. years. So, that's a commitment. Mm-hmm. So you have to get it right. And most people, they bottle it. They, they, they go, well, I'm going to do, you know, just do something nice and safe, a sort of yeah. beige. And and it never really works because you're never really satisfied. Mm-hmm. It's never really about you. Um But start with something you love and you'll unlock the potential of your home in
2: a really emotional way. The one big, big question, I guess, is what is your favourite colour?
1: Oh my! Well, look, I'm wearing it.
2: And is
3: that winter pumpkin?
1: Yeah, well, probably. Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> I think it's kind of like this is more of a hazard sort of colour. Yes. I do. I do. You know, it's funny. You shouldn't have favourites because colour. I do think colours are like children. You, you know, they, you, they're all your children. You love them yeah. all, and you know, even the ones you don't like particularly. Um, you know, but you love them all. But I, I come back to orange. It's, it's one of those colours that. Um, in, in sort of colour psychology or a, or a colour uh, cultural culturally, it's about harvest, it's about home and, and it's about creativity. Um, and whenever I see it, and we used a lot of orange on the fairgrounds, so you think of like that really <laughs> yeah. bright orange. And it always makes me smile. It always makes me smile. And I look dreadful in it probably, but it just makes me smile. <laughs> and uh, yeah, orange every time. Are the hints of orange in your home? <laughs> Quite a bit.
3: <laughs> I'm now imagining full fairground.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's
0: it. No, I have got
1: full
3: fairground walls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Nice. Yeah. laughs> As most of our listeners are um, kind of marketing and mm-hmm. brand managers, mm-hmm. how can those kind of colour stories and, and kind of mechanics that you've talked about, mm-hmm. how do you think that they can really be used to impact kind of consumer uh, perceptions and emotions?
1: Well, colour color tells a story. We, we, you talked about, in, in the introduction, you talked about colour psychology. And there's a lot of talk around colour psychology and colours answering, you know, our big problems. But colour, color, you can tell a story with colour that people will recognise if you look at its cultural associations, but also how we as human beings actually see it. So we start with an approach to, to the science. So each color has a different wavelength, a bit like a sound. Mm-hmm. Red has the longest wavelength, and what that means is it's the noisiest, loudest color. When we look at it, it appears closer to us than any other color in the spectrum. Mm-hmm. If you think about red, you know, if you if you're going if you want to go on a hot date, you you put a red lipstick, <laughs> red shirt, Always. red tie. Yeah, it's <laughs> red is all red car, red Ferrari. If you think about the color red, it's really in your face. It's really powerful. Um, and so red can be used in an incredibly impactful way, but it can also be the most scary mm-hmm. colour. So in terms of branding and in terms of drawing people in or even in design when you're using a bit of red, it will absolutely attract you, but it will also wear you out a little bit and it can be quite scary. Um, and as you move through the spectrum, so red is the longest, orange is, is sh- a shorter wavelength. Um, it has the power of orange or sort of some of the power and the attraction of orange, but none of the scariness. And then suddenly we start to associate this orange with the sunshine, home, harvest, spirituality. Um, we think yeah. Buddhists wear orange. Um, yeah, the, the, the creative chakra is orange. There's something culturally and the way that we see it combine mm-hmm. to create a, a story of color that we can use in branding or telling a story of, of, of a space. Yellow is, an, is, is a shorter wavelength still. It's still quite a long one. And yellow is a color that reminds us of sunshine, optimism. Think of baby chicks in the spring. Yeah. It's fresh optimism, sunshine, but it's also wasps and bumblebees <laughs> and poisonous frogs. <laughs> (laughs) So there are things that you... So you're thinking about the way we see colour. So red is closest to us. Then orange steps back. Yellow steps back a little bit more. Then you've got green right in the middle of the visual spectrum. Green is the most beautiful colour for us as human beings to process. It's so easy. It balances everything. sits right in the middle. When you create something in green, people instantly relax. they're instantly out in the countryside it's the most calming color and it works with every other color in the spectrum so green is a super color for helping calm things down and making people respond to to it to a a space or an object in a calm way and then you go to blue blue is the world's favorite color because we live on a blue planet Mm. and it is the most familiar color it's a color associated with trust with authority and trust, but gentle trust. Do so you think um, you know? I was going to say nuns and policemen, but that's not going to help, <laughs> is it? Really? I mean, but we see this colour all the time, mm. and we love it, and we trust it. And so, big brands that, that want to be trusted use blue as a as a foundation colour mm. um, because we we recognise yeah. it, we follow it. We don't. We're not scared by it, yeah. but it's a, it has a sense of authority and calm. Um, and then we go to violet, which is sort of right right at the end of the spectrum, most complex colour to visually process if it were a sound it would be like a, a bee in a jam jar it's extraordinary color and this is quite an unusual color we it's one of the most modern colors that that, that we can see in dye stuffs so, you know it's a it's a color that was very very hard to create um very very hard to actually create as a paint and a, and, a, and a dye stuff in fabrics we associate it with modernity because of that but we also associate it with twilight the nights mystery death in a sense but mysterious things royalty because it was so difficult to Mm. to to, uh to to produce and if we think of the color beyond violet which is ultraviolet it's a color that's almost invisible as well Mm. we started to see this complex color come through really strongly in the last few years and it's a real polarizing color you say purple you might get loads of teenage girls and vampires (laughs) loving this this particular (laughs) shade um but this complexity has started to... We've started to see these beautiful violets and soft mm. petal violets coming through, which is really unusual because we live in complex times, yeah. maybe. Um, but it's, it's it's colour is such a powerful tool for creating uh, a response. Mm. And understanding... So psychology is, is like... For me, it's like juju. <laughs> because you're trying to... If you go back to how we see colour and how culturally we're responding to it... If you if you if you tell those stories, you start to look at how we how we're using it and 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 how we associate with it. That's much more powerful than saying, "Oh, blue's going to make you <laughs> blue's going to make you I don't know more intelligent." Yeah. It just doesn't. Yes. It just doesn't. It can't. You know what we found. We did a, we did a great study back in the 90s about um, color in architecture, and we wanted to to work out what would be optimal colors for teaching environments, healing environments. And what we found was that certain colors did have a, a, a small effect but not big enough to to be really noteworthy what did have a biggest effect was decorating somewhere really thoughtfully
2: mm.
1: was changing the environment really thoughtfully and creating a, a vibe you know whether it was an inside outside vibe using plants using so it was that thoughtful process of redecoration rather than the colour itself
3: in terms of a in terms of a strategy if if you know a a newer independent company are thinking about trying to you know work out their kind of colour palette or something is it more that as opposed to having to you know play by certain rules maybe rip up that rule book a little bit but be thoughtful about you know what is important to you so as a brand you know how are we going to you know reflect ourselves through colour and because i think One thing we've seen a trend of is a lot of brands being quite colour agnostic. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you usually have to have a a black and white version of a logo, Mm -hmm. for example. Mm -hmm. But we're finding that people are using kind of graphics and photography behind logos, which is potentially to shy away from, Mm -hmm. you know, pushing yourselves towards something that is just Mm -hmm. kind of a a solid blue or something. Mm So, yeah, that kind of thoughtful mechanic sounds really useful of, of really think about why you're using a colour. Yeah,
1: it's the outcome. I mean, when we think about a space, where we're designing a space, we ask ourselves, what do you want to happen in this space? And whether it's to bring a family together to eat around a dining table, or whether it's to, to create a space in which you can just clear your mind and get down to some work, you know, homework space, or even an office space. Do you want to bring people together to have a really intense experience? Like, you know, bright yellows and bright oranges do that. You know, what do you want to happen in this space? And the colour can be the answer to that and really, really help. Do you have anything
3: in terms of, let's say, for example, you know, you mentioned about like kind of culturally or in terms of you know, societal issues mm-hmm. and things like that. Do you have to really be considerate around colours to potentially not use and what those kind of danger zones might be? Or do you try to kind of fly above that a little bit and just be truthful?
1: Um, there are colours that I don't particularly like, and there, are, and there are colours that can be quite agitating. So they can be, so 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 for example, a bright bright yellow, a bright yellow. We, we often used to paint nurseries mm. nursery schools in bright yellow because they thought kids liked it, and it just was basically like giving them loads of E numbers. Yeah. They would go crazy, you know, uh, because the human eye can see more bright yellows and kind of on the green and bright spectrum, and it's quite it's quite confusing. It trips us up a little bit. Um, and so there are colours and also we're using it, as I can see on the floor, there's sort of hazard tape, we use it as a hazard yeah. colour and that can be, and, and the balance can tip from being a beautiful sunny, you know, golden yellow to being a hazard quite quickly if yeah. you're using the wrong kind of colour. Same with a green, you can have a green that takes you to the countryside and it's beautiful pastoral, you know, calm green, but then you put a bit of acid in it or, mm-hmm. you know, take, you know, make a clean and bright version of that and it can be quite agitating. Yeah. So. It's a wonderful, wonderful tool and culturally as well at the moment we're starting to see we're living a much more of a digital life you know we put our headsets on we go and play games we're seeing digital color coming through you know in in loads of things your candy core barbie you know barbie core that that kind of those kind of digital colors and we're starting to see that come through in brands and come through we can't actually recreate it in paint kind of Mm. of hard because of those neon but we're starting to be more familiar with those colors and they press certain buttons very very quickly for us so this there's a whole new world to explore beyond my palette Yes, yeah. I find so exciting. But there are certain colours that will, if you associate, you know, if you think about the wasp and you think about colours that are going to make you, they'll draw your attention but they might not engage you for very long. Mm. But then that's at all you can use. If you want to draw somebody's attention then you can use those really sharp, bright colours and you grab people's attention. You won't hold them for long but you will stop them in their tracks.
2: So you're renowned for the Colour Trends Report, which comes out annually mm-hmm. and would really love to understand the process of how that happens, how, how do you start and where does it lead to?
1: Well, we, we have a global trend forecasting process and we call it Colour Futures. And it's something that, a, again, only in the last 10 years have we shared this with the industry, so with architects and designers and, and you know, and creatives. Um, but it's something that we've been doing for the last 20 years. And the process is basically we have um, 50 markets in 26 countries and each of those t- 26 countries will have a team a, a Dulux team um, and we ask them to um, nominate somebody from from that country that's doing something extraordinary in design or architecture or technology it could be a lighting uh, you know manufacturer the creative director of somewhere It could be editor editor of L Decoration you know in China um, we ask these people if they'll come to a, a workshop um, and they, it's a three-day workshop. It's an, it's an enormous task. They come for a three-day workshop, and we ask them to present what they think are going to be the biggest influences in the way we're going to live in the future. Um, and this, 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 this. Uh, after three days, we we uh, translate what they've told us into stories of color. So, what we want and what we need in our, in, in our built environments, and um, it is the most extraordinary process. We never talk about color. In those mm-hmm. forums, we just sit on the sidelines. So I'm in that group, but I don't talk. I just listen. Mm-hmm. And so, and what we're looking for is we're looking for commonalities between each country. Um, so we're trying to find a thread, something that will really kind of crystallize. And we, because we're looking for palettes, these are global palettes that will resonate glo- globally. Global color stories that that people will be able to recognize and buy into. There's always a bit of a problem, mm-hmm. not a problem, but there's always light is colour is only reflected light and so if you come from a very hot country with beautiful light the colours tend to be brighter and sharper and cleaner but if you're in the nordics and northern rio like we are we tend to like the sort of smokier more organic, organic colours and so when we've got to the end of this this three-day workshop and we're starting to dist- distill the, the information down into palettes of colours and then try and choose this one colour of the year there's but proper argy-bargy yeah, every year. Um, but we come to the same. It's a, it's a majority decision. We come to the same conclusions. Mm-hmm. And often those brighter colors are included in the palettes and the palette stories. Mm-hmm. So we have to f- capture a color that, that will look beautiful through every light condition all around the world. And some of our best-selling colors, I mean, you're wearing a suit that is in... One of our best-selling colours it's a colour called tranquil dawn mm. it's the most beautiful color. i love to look at it it's just lovely so it makes a great suit it looks amazing on the walls and it's one of our best-selling colours it's a colour that captured a mood of the moment but it was some it was a colour that's receding as well so it made small spaces seem bigger and it was a colour that was launched during the pandemic mm. and it just became one of our biggest selling colours because people were hemmed in they used a colour and then suddenly they were reconnected with the great outdoors which was the biggest luxury that we had the process is extraordinary what you learn that was is one of the biggest privileges of my job is to be a fly on the wall with some amazing brains who have insight into the most extraordinary ways that we will be living in the future and having sat in the background of that for a number of years and started to see some of these incredible far-reaching technologies and ideas actually come to life and actually happen you the, the trend forecast you, you become more confident of a trend forecasting process and so your trend predictions for the future become much more robust yeah. much more real it is an extraordinary process it makes me tingle thinking about it to be honest because oh. they talk about things we talk about things in the future that are just really you know how you and me are going to be living yeah. um and how, what's going to affect our children our yeah. children's children what the big issues and the big uh, challenges and the big joys are um and can you believe that that all leads to a palette of colours? And people say colour is just decoration. I mean, I beg to differ. Yeah.
3: So we obviously talked about uh, brand before and then about that fantastic way of, you know, really investigating what colours you're choosing with your mm-hmm. trend forecasting. In terms of then brands that are creating products and creating their, you know, their own, their own identity and, and things that they want to sell into the market, due to the fact that there are, there are these very large companies like, like yourselves creating these colours, which are colour of the year. Mm-hmm. How do you think that brands should navigate that in terms of not necessarily just letting that be kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy of we're going to forecast something and then it, as you as you've kind of talked around it, then becoming something that everybody is just jumping onto.
1: I, I think. I think. I mean, you can you can you can buy trend reports that will give you uh, palettes that are supposed to capture what's happening in the future and what's happening. And I think these are great to to, to know in context. So you know that you're developing a product in the context of this palette, but everybody else will be buying Mm -hmm. that palette. And so you start to produce products that might have some synergy between each other in the marketplace, but they're not necessarily rooted in anything other than the reasoning behind just, yeah. yeah and so they all become a range of generic products and if you want to be distinctive mm. and tell your own story you need to do that process yourself I, I mean I might be wrong it was just a thought mm. you know but I think we we slavishly follow you know Pantone used to bring out a <laughs> colour of the year but that's that, that, that was that. you know Pantone were a digital colour manufacturer for print mm. And that was led by the catwalk, led by the stuff out there. And it was a wonderful concept, Cut this color of the year. Mm. We've been doing it for years, but our focus was on walls, Mm. on the built environment. So we had these two two different approaches to color. So Pantone would be the catwalk and product would lead to product. WGSN do the same thing. Why don't you as a brand shake it up a bit and do your own Mm. research? What do your customers really want? I think it's... It 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 can yeah. be it's kind of lazy, do you know. Mm. Let's be creative. That's what your yes. industry is about yeah, yeah. about unlocking the creativity of yeah. a of a palette that doesn't look like everybody else's. If you slavishly follow what the trend forecasters, you know, you're buying a trend report. Do it for information mm. and context, but flip heck. If you've got a distinctive brand, you should be being distinctive. Mm.
3: absolutely I think sometimes when you do see like you thinking about physical products for example often that thought process is is there for the function but then other things are just kind of like tacked on Mm. so kind of then the aesthetic and things like that but as you said that really should be being thought about that's the those objects that are then for example in your home or wearable that's what you that's what it's kind of coated in so Mm. it should have that that kind of thought and story mm. behind it, as well.
1: Mm. I mean, colour is so much more than skin deep. It's so much more than decoration. It's how we respond to something. I mean, often when you're we're creating a, a range of paints uh, or a range of a new range of colours, we'll add in there some colours that we know will never sell, mm. but they'll look damn good, and mm. they will be able to make the and they'll put the dots between the other colours. They'll connect that. That, that palette together but we know they won't sell as much as the the softer colors within range we have to have them in there um but there's also a thought process of why they're in there they'll have a special name or they'll have so it's this it's the, it's the beauty it's, it's this creative ingredient that we just often overlook as merely decoration and mm-hmm. it's not there's so much more of a story to tell and we all use color every day from the moment we get up to the clothes that we put on our backs you and she that beautiful suit <laughs> for a reason. You know, that's yeah. what you did. It makes you feel good, but it's also, it, it does something. So use that, it's a language, you know, learn the language and then you create a better story of
0: your product. Okay, so Marianne, now time for the previous guest's question. <laughs> so we ask all our guests to come up with a question for the next one. We previously had lovely Carrie Hawkins, who is Brand and Communications Manager for Magnet Kitchens on a previous podcast. And she wants to know, as a heritage brand in a nation obsessed with the home and with new challenger brands entering the market, how does Dulux keep communication strong and exciting to continue building desire for the brand? Crikey. <laughs> heck. Have you got half
1: an hour? <laughs> <laughs> We're true to who we are. Yeah. We've always created, we, we, we've we we've always been a, a brand for a modern consumer. We mm-hmm. create them, the uh, products that solve our problems in beautiful colours. And so when I would say products, um, we're science-based, so we formulate products that are for real life. Mm-hmm. So uh, products like our Easy Care, so up to 20 times tougher than a standard emulsion, perfect for families. Yeah. It lasts longer, so it has less impact on the environment. It's beautifully easy to use. So we have a... A focus on amazing products in amazing colours, and mm-hmm. we're always true to that. We come back to what does the customer want? Yeah, what does the customer need? How do we want to make them feel in their homes? Yeah, uh, it's very much about the heart. But the products we can't overlook. You know, yeah. we need real life products. So often, you know, um, disruptor brands will bring out beautiful colours and mm-hmm. great stories, but the product isn't up to much. So we want to do the whole package. You've got both. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: exactly. Thank you. So now for some fun questions. I think I know the answer <laughs> to the first one.
1: If you could paint the entire world in one colour, what would it be and why? <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, you know, it's my favourite colour is orange, but I would say Sweet Embrace. It's the oh, nice. colour of the year. Yeah, That's what we all need. A big hug. So I would give the world a big hug. Nice.
0: <laughs> what is your most memorable use of colour in a film or a campaign that stuck with you and why?
1: Oh, my goodness me. Oh, my goodness me. Oh, I don't know. Oh, actually, there was a great one. There was a great campaign. There was a great campaign. And it was all about some um, uh, it was all, all about color and feeling, mm-hmm. and there's a great advert, and there's a couple and uh, she starts to paint the bedroom red. Right. And she's, it's quite cheeky. He comes in from work, sees the bedroom's red, closes the door, obviously what happens. And then the next time we see her, she's painting the red out in a sort of soft, you know, barley colour. And she's got three kids she's got the baby. Yeah, that's it. And I loved that. I absolutely loved that. And that's the power of red, red and how yeah. we just want this to stop now. So it's <laughs> yeah. back to uh, barley
0: white. Every man listening to this is going to go home and paint <laughs> yeah. his bedroom red. Um, and if you could describe your personality using only one colour what would it be and why? you're gonna say red aren't you no 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 red is red isn't scary no i would say i would say it's orange is orange yeah. is orange
1: mm.
0: brilliant marianne you've been brilliant i could listen to you all day we've literally run out of time oh. thank you so so much for coming it's oh. been wonderful thank you for asking thank you marianne <laughs> we have a simple philosophy produce great content at speed at scale delivered by experts As part of the Ride Shotgun group, we are an agency with a difference. Big strategic thinking, impactful creative, content production and activation at scale, all in one place. So you can achieve more for your brand than ever before. Whether you need a lead strategic partner or content production, we can join you at any point on your brand journey. For more information, visit creativecontent.works or rideshotgun.co.uk.